from reverence for FDR to an embrace of a new deal, the one that extended from all the way with LBJ to a war on poverty and Medicare and Medicaid. The men and women Trump chooses to surround himself with and to empower will determine the America that will emerge from his presidency. They will shape and implement the policies of this presidency. They will check and balance Trump's excesses, or they will steer this inexperienced and impulsive man toward precipices from which neither he, nor this nation, nor this world can turn back. They will temper or incite Trump, fuel or still the cauldrons of racial and ethnic hatred and division. They will counsel against overreactions, or they will make those overreactions inevitable and incomprehensibly destructive. But for the most part, they will operate in the darkness of a media age when the major newspapers, broadcast networks, and digital platforms are so absorbed with the pursuit of ratings and clicks that they refuse to put the spotlight on anyone but a strongman president. Because the office of president has always been infused with a measure of majesty, and because it is afforded far more power than is enjoyed by the ceremonial presidents of most other lands, People in the United States and around the world have always struggled with the concept of an executive branch. They are attracted to the notion of an individualized, virtually monarchical executive, a soldier king making every decision, commanding every army, doling out every favor, collecting every emolument. George Washington, the revolutionary commander whose countrymen encouraged him to serve as a king, struggled mightily to discourage such thinking. He accepted a system of checks and balances, distributed power to others, and surrendered the mantle of authority willingly at the end of a second four-year term. With his democratically inclined Secretary of State, Jefferson, he discouraged notions of an imperial presidency and counseled Americans to recognize themselves as sovereigns and their presidents as servants. In the early days of their Republican experiment, Washington and Jefferson and their compatriots realized their visions with presidencies so small that they could be loaded up in stagecoaches and moved from city to city as the country sorted out the question of where it would locate its capital. When it was decided that the District of Columbia would be the nation's center of government, the infrastructure of that government was so limited that Jefferson lodged in a rooming house on the night before his inauguration walked on his own through muddy streets to the swearing-in ceremony, delivered a short unifying address, and scrambled back to the rooming house in time for dinner. Washington was an imperfect yet serious man. Jefferson was an imperfect yet visionary man. Trump is an imperfect man who is neither serious nor visionary. Only those Americans with no knowledge or who are self-deluded celebrate the start of the presidency of Donald John Trump, the most unqualified man ever to be elected to our highest office, wrote former White House counsel John Dean, our great philosopher of presidencies gone right and wrong on the day of Trump's inauguration. To wit, there is no evidence anywhere that Donald Trump has even a good newspaper or television news knowledge of the American presidency nor is there any evidence he has ever read a single autobiography or biography of any of his 44 predecessors in our highest elected office. To the contrary, 
the evidence suggests he does not have sufficient concentration power to read a book or even listen to an audio edition, not to mention receive an exhaustive briefing of the duties of his job. With the exponential growth of the presidency in the 20th and 21st centuries, the recognizable and defined executive branch of old has been transformed into something altogether foreign and exotic, an elaborate construct that historian Arthur Schlesinger Jr. began to identify the better part of a half-century ago as the imperial presidency, constantly expanding constantly extending itself, the presidency has become a labyrinth of intrigue and conflict, where even appointees who believe they are doing the bidding of the commander-in-chief may unwittingly take the nation in directions that the president did not intend. And it becomes a place where ideologues and con artists can, quite wittingly, launch initiatives about which the president knows little or nothing. That is more likely in the presidency of a